Jerry, do you think we should do one of those things where we do like a little bit before the intro music to kind of give people a teaser about the show that we're doing? Yeah, I guess. I don't okay. know. What would the bit be? Like like a play? I don't know. Like maybe like this. Like a radio play? I don't know. This will probably be the this bit. This is the bit? I don't know. Yeah. Like a, it's like remember, remember 1991, Boys to Men. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. You haven't heard from us in a couple of weeks. Um, Yeah. Things have happened um, and we have been incapacitated out down and out jerry survived the uh, great snowmageddon snow snow apocalypse snow apocalypse yes yeah um and so you didn't have any power for five days you were with friends and yeah so there's no i had no ability to record a podcast no and that's i mean so and i was so and i was sick there for a couple of days you can probably still hear it um and uh yeah so we released another episode that we did on our patreon that was a playlist, a um, Patriot, mm-hmm. or I'm um, sorry, a Spotify playlist that Jerry made of songs, and we kind of went through the alcoholic mind or the alcoholic, the progression of of drinking and partying all the way to recovery and the playlist arc. Yes, so yeah. that was up. Uh, I think that they they took it down off of iTunes because I think we played a couple of the songs and. Maybe that yeah. was like a copyright claim or something. Could be. So I'm gonna go ahead and I will I, I will make another edit of it. I will edit it out so that it'll be up there for you guys to listen to. Um, I think it's on Spotify. We are on Spotify if you haven't heard already. Hell so yeah, that's we pretty are. cool. Um, yeah. I'm very excited. I got that all set up the other day. Um, and yeah, so we're back. Uh, we will. Be here, you know, every single Friday, once a week. We may throw in um, an extra episode to kind of keep in sync with our schedule of the letters and the yearly production schedule. But, you know, either way, you'll hear from us. Um, I'm also, I'm doing a couple of interviews. I got a couple interviews coming up, which is Word. pretty cool. A friend of mine in Hawaii who we, he and I have a very unique relationship in that I moved into his house and went to... You know, he he helped me to get sober in some ways that are kind of unique to us. And we share a lot of similarities and um, like I don't know that I don't know. Well, he 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 moved into the same house that I live in now. I was actually sleeping in his bed when he left. Okay, like he moved out and I moved in. Oh, and, all right. I thought it was somebody we knew shared. And I was no. like, who the fuck do I know that lives in Hawaii <laughs> that helped you get sober? But no, this is another. Per- this is, this another is not dude. a person starring in my movie. No, no. So the he's Jerry starring Wagner in the Wagner show. So yeah. Um, and then I have another one set up with a uh, uh, a woman who is a radio DJ down in San Francisco. And uh-huh. so we this there's lots of stuff that we're we're working on. So there will we're be, getting legitimate here, right? Um, one last thing. Presenting uh, the presenting sponsor is Green Camel Press. If you don't know Boom. already, go check it out. Uh, yeah. We do cartoons. We're working on some different labels. We're doing all kinds of cool art projects. We're 
I got a stop motion thing in the works, but we also sell t-shirts. So go to greencamelpress.com and please go buy a t-shirt. They're uh, candy apple green with our logo and, um, excuse me, website on the back. Super soft, nice and clean, ready yep. to go. Right. So getting back to boys to men. 1991, <laughs> I got the year right. Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, got the it's year so right. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday was the song. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about a relationship that had, or was it, is it basically you're longing or you're, you're, it's hard to say you have to say goodbye for some reason, but it's hard to say goodbye to something in the I past. I think it's a song about breaking up with a person, but they played at funerals a lot. So it's also, I don't know if it's a song about saying goodbye to a dead person or saying goodbye to someone you loved. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yo, I'm done with your ass. Right. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I always hear it if, I mean, no, I don't always hear a funeral. It's not like they played at my grandmother's funeral. Or <laughs> That's not yeah. funny. I'm not, I'm, I don't mean to laugh no, at my grandmother's I, that funeral. That was my little crack right there. No, was... they played a few of my favorite things, which I can't hear to this day without like, you know, yeah. getting a few tears out. That's a hard one. But um, yeah, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. We're, uh, we are Generation X. Yes. So it is part of our. Up, uh, part of us being grown and raised and everything. I mean, we may not have been fans of the song when it came out, and then we enjoyed it for its irony in our yes. 20s and 30s because it was definitely not part of the social group that John and I hung out. No. With, you know? So that's what that's what I stands for, for in this uh, where we're at in the alphabet. It's so yeah. hard to say goodbye to yesterday. In the context of alcoholism, um, well, it's just about you when you finally have to say yes. It, it only took us a few minutes into the pod to get to the uh, get to the point. That's um, all right. It's we got about, all day. Yes, it's about saying goodbye. You have to say goodbye. You know when you think about having this relationship with something mm-hmm. that has been such a core part of your, at least for me, it's been it was a core part of not only my daily routines and habits. But it became a part of my personality. Um, it's how I identified um, as a drunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly as a bartender as well, as, as a fun party guy, at least for the yep. beginning of the night. Everybody knew they could come around for a good time until it just got too uncomfortable, weird, loud, sad, inconsolable, or, or whatever. Um, you know, and that there's that sort of moment everybody i think well i don't know if everybody has but i know that you and i both had that moment of saying like this shit has got to stop yeah i can't do this anymore right um and you start to realize that it's just not working for you it doesn't it doesn't hold it doesn't even help you maintain let alone give you any sort of high or reward it becomes it goes from something that's like exciting and fun to this almost I guess it's kind of like being in shackles where it's like if you don't take it, if you don't drink it, if you don't, if you don't imbibe, um, you can't even feel normal. You hear that a lot when people are, people will say, man, I just need to get a drink. I just need to feel a little bit normal today. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean? What is what did it feel like before? What does it feel like now when, when you come in and maybe you're kind of shaky and feeling a little agitated? And what what are the words they always use? Irritable restless and discontent discontent yeah and then you get that whiskey and coke and you're just like oh now i'm okay now i'm in my escape pod and um that 
that idea that when you 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 quit that that ceases to exist that ceases to even there's no joy in it anymore it becomes hell right or a job you just punch into that's the worst job you've ever had in your fucking life (laughs) is that how you felt it was just yeah it it literally yeah i mean it was hell it absolutely was but i was just punching in every night or sometimes punching i had to go and work early sometimes i had to work a double Mm mm-hmm (laughs) (laughs) but yeah to me it felt like a chore like a chore that i had to do to feel like a normal person to feel like i could function Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah i i there were many times i don't know if you were a morning drinker near the end not often near the end but only to only to cope with the hangover but you i mean you definitely had rules uh, as far as what when you could start and stuff like that right um, I did. Mm-hmm. But in those those early times, I just remember like or the very the very end, right? You know, right before and right after I quit, like at the very mm-hmm. end, I was so I didn't want to do it anymore and I hated it and I couldn't help it. And it was this seriously abusive relationship that I was in with this substance. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't you can't I couldn't get out of it. It was it sounds so so cliche but it was it was it was an abusive relationship i was i had an abusive partner who and again this is not to blame the alcohol because it is of course my relationship with myself and other things and you know this inert substance that i can't i can't handle um so i'm not blaming alcohol as being the toxic thing necessarily but my relationship with it and, um, you know, this, it has to stop and it has to change. And how do you, how do you break up with alcohol? It's a good question. <laughs> um, I think some people, it's a great question. Like, how do you finally just say no? And it gets to that point where we've used the word unmanageable mm-hmm. and it's, it's just absolutely unmanageable. You can't do it. Sometimes it takes jail. Sometimes it takes car crashes or relationships you know with other people being destroyed to get to a point of i have to quit and i have to say goodbye and you go well but i feel i need it and i i can't live without it and right i love it i'm Um, obsessed with it what what in the first few days and weeks like what was your relationship with alcohol after you quit after you finally said like that fourth of july and you were like no um, what, you know, what did you, how did you feel around it? Did you dump everything down the drain and like, no. did you go, did you have to like avoid the liquor section of the grocery store? No, that wasn't until later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really wasn't in the first few weeks. Like it was, I was in shock. Like, I think I've said it before in the podcast. I felt like they like can saving private Ryan when the, they blow up a mine and everything's ringing and everything, everybody's yelling, but you can't hear mm-hmm. anything. It was like shock at first. There was, it was really weird because I like, I don't know, man, I had to drop everything I knew and try to do something new. And I was in, so, but I was also in so much physical and mental shock from it that it just mm-hmm. wasn't, there was no big grand dramatic gesture where I poured everything out and said, I am done. I just like literally was defeated. And I was like, I'm done. Like, this is it. Mm-hmm. We went to that 4th of July barbecue. They were all drinking. They were all drinking whiskey. They were all drinking Jim Beam. They offered it to me multiple times. And I said, if I can make it through this 
first day, not even this first day, if I can make it through this barbecue, then tonight when I go home, I can drink. And so then I made it through the barbecue and I like spent this time with my wife and daughter. And the whole time I was like, I'll go home and drink tonight. I'll go home and drink tonight. And then I got home and I was like, if I can make it through this night, then maybe I can drink tomorrow. Like, though, I never, I didn't, honestly, I didn't take it seriously in the beginning. It wasn't this grand, like, edict or this grand rule I made where I was like, mm-hmm. I am done. I decree it from my fucking, from the kitchen floor, you know. <laughs> I was just like, I okay, I'm done for right now, and we'll see what happens, you know. And then, like, another day passed, and another, I, like, literally white-knuckled that shit. To use the uh, language of, you know, our 12-step program, mm-hmm. I, like, white-knuckled those first few weeks. Like, I just hung on for dear life, and I was like, I am done for right now i remember calling my dad and being like i'm gonna quit for a little while and then he was the one who kind of put the bug in my brain like well maybe you should go into a room maybe you should get yourself to a meeting you know you don't you can't just white knuckle it that's the first time i heard white knuckling i had like 14 days at that point but that's you, me though everybody's no. different right did you go did you go no i went well i ended up going suggestion? to I went. I did not on his suggestion because it was always in the back of my mind, and I was like, "Well, I'm feel. I don't know if I'm feeling better because I don't feel better. I just feel different now. But I know I would feel better if I stopped. I know my wife won't leave me. I don't think she'll leave me if I stop. Like, you know, all bets are off on that shit. But mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe. Yeah, I got sobered so my wife would stay and just, you know, enough was enough. Though that was my big wake up call. You know, like how the fuck am I gonna get married and then get you know what i mean like end it all like i never wanted to get married in the first place it was never my intention to enter a lifelong relationship or at least sit there and vow to everyone that i was gonna enter a lifelong relationship and then i did it and then i was like well i gotta try to hold it together for this i guess i guess and then yeah. it turned into i must and then it's like i am you know like yeah it's weird yeah, but no, man, I got sober with a liquor cabinet right behind me, full. My brother-in-law worked at the liquor store. He had all the good bourbons, man. He had, like, all the fucking Rip Van Winkles and mm-hmm. shit. You know what I'm talking about? The good Pappy, stuff. Yeah. All the good. Pappy Van Winkle? He had a bottle of Rip Van Winkle, too, though, which was, like, 30 years. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think Pappy is, like, 20 okay. and Rip was 30. Yeah, and, uh, man, he had all that. He had, like, all the different Blantons with the fucking little pewter horses mm-hmm. on top. I mean, he had all the bottles, so it spelled out Blanton and shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had all that shit I like to drink, dude. And uh, it just sat back there. It was a specter. It was a ghost. I don't know. It's it's in that letter, dude. I don't know. Yeah. That so, whole... and, so speaking of, of letters and, and one of the yeah. things that we um, wanted to do today um, is – it was suggested to me a long time ago and I didn't even think about it until just recently, but was to write a, write a goodbye letter, right? Mm-hmm. Write a, like if you were in a relationship with somebody with, with a partner and what, how do you, how do you break up with them? How do you say goodbye? What are the things that you remember? What are the things that you would say? What is, what is the last thing you would write to them? What is the last thing that you would, um, you would you would say to them before and to tell them how you felt about them mm-hmm. and i think that that's important <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> is to talk i mean we we talk about it a lot talking about your feelings and how alcohol made you feel how it makes you feel now even though you know you, you know you and i haven't been haven't been drunk in a very long time that relationship is still there in some yeah. some capacity right i mean right Oh yeah, it's absolutely still there. It's still in yeah. my head. It's still kind of mm-hmm. like I, we 
we I mean Jesus we get up here and we talk about it and could you imagine if you had like a fucking, fucking week dude. podcast about your ex-girlfriend every week people would call you fucking crazy yeah but, I'd probably be in jail at this point <laughs> <laughs> but you know the whole idea of this is to try to understand ourselves you know I think that's why I right. do it is is to kind of come to some sort of epiphany um to to why I do the things I do and and if I before and so we each wrote a letter to alcohol and I I wanted to say one more thing a couple more things epiphanies I had this week before we read our letters um but there was there was two things I was listening to a gentleman talk about um he was talking about alcoholism and getting sober and he said you know I never I never uh I didn't care if it was hard or not I just never thought it was possible and yeah. that was such a and he's like once I found out it was possible everything else changed for me and that was that was really profound to me because that's how I felt fucking it's not possible I'm going to die this way this is just right. how I live this is who I am for whatever reason it's how I'm built and I'm I've known pain all my life and suffering all my life and I'm I'm just going to die this way yeah. And the sooner the better. <laughs> yeah, you know? no. <laughs> so funny. I, I mean, it's funny because it's true. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, and I, I don't think I was actively looking to kill myself. Like I wasn't wanting to find a gun or eat a bottle of pills to kind of do anything. But I really, but that, that, that idea of it becoming possible was really amazing. That just mm -hmm. like, oh shit, that's right. That's what it was. And, um, a lot of this is like trying to resolve things in the past and something else came to um came to light to me this this last week was uh, my father was very 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 sick in a lot of ways but he was on a particular medication for almost his whole life and i always knew that it ate away at, at his bones um uh -huh. and like his joints he had all kinds of joint surgeries I never re it never occurred to me that he could be taking this medication that he thought was good for him to help him breathe that was killing his body in another way, but also that it was like fucking up his brain. Yeah. And so all this time I've been, you know, and I'm still working on those resentments toward my father, but all this time it never occurred to me that he was sick in the head. I mean, I always knew he was cause he was just kind of, you know, in, in, I was always like, well, he's a fucking asshole and he could have changed if he wanted to. Yeah. And so part of, trying to release those resentments and to resolve those issues is to understand. And the other, the other thing is I hear, you know, people say like, you know, you can change the narrative and I don't know how you feel about that phrase, but I never really like, I always thought it was kind of like, come on, man, it is what it is. Don't sit here right. and try to right. call I'm not it something familiar else. with the phrase, but basically just saying like you can change the narrative of your life right you can change the way that you talk about yourself and you can change the way that you know things you perceive things and how you're perceived and all this stuff and it sounded a little too just kind of corny and hokey and yeah yeah you know you know what i mean i just didn't buy into it and then i realized like it's not so much that you change the narrative or at least for me it's that I saw something, I got a new piece of information from a different perspective mm -hmm. that I had no fucking idea about. Right. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, well, what if you only read, what if there was like, you know, you read the book and then there's like the appendage, appendix, appendage? 
The appendix. The appendix? Yeah, the appendages are different. <laughs> Don't want to talk about it's the just, appendage. That's the book's dick. <laughs> yes. It's the appendage, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was like, oh, the appendix, there's all this other information about the story itself. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, shit. So there's this whole other part of it that I had no idea about. And I'm not saying that I'm done with resenting my father, but it was kind of just this little door that was like, oh, okay. All right, so... Maybe it wasn't all his fault. Maybe yeah. there were bigger things in play and things that he couldn't control. Right. So maybe I don't have to hate him for the rest of my life. Oh my god, dude, you're growing. <laughs> Look mm-hmm. at you. You're I growing. Know. Or as the, <laughs> so excuse me, that the was Gen a, Y the Gen Y kids say you're glowed up. You glowed up. You're, you glowed up. So dude. that was my big epiphany, and beside the mm-hmm. fact that I had my 42nd birthday, and that was cool too. But right, happy yeah. birthday, man! Thank you. 42 years old, man. Yeah. Who would have thought? You're all grown up. I didn't. <laughs> Who would have thought you'd make it to 42 <laughs> on two legs? Come on, man! At, at, at 19, did you ever think you'd make it to 42 or 44? Fuck no! I used to be like, I'm not gonna make it to 30, man. Ugh. And that was fucking so cool. Dead when you're 30, and then I hit 30, <laughs> and I'm like, fuck! I hope I make it to 60. <laughs> the fear set in. <laughs> Yeah, the fear set in, exactly. So, with all that, I got... Thank you for letting me get that out, Jerry. Yeah, um, yeah, just, yeah. So, we wanted to write some letters, and um, I sat down. I don't know how what your process was, but I sat down and, and wrote mine. It took me a few different tries and a few different iterations to get it all there. Yeah. But, um, I wrote mine straight through, and then right when I got near the end, the power went out. <laughs> so, then I had to deal with that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first? No, you can go first you want me if to you read? want to. Okay. Yeah, sure. So we yeah. haven't, and we haven't read, um, these to each other. They, we're going like to surprise each other with our hard feelings. So we're going <sighs> to, excuse me, I'll do my best for not cough into the mic. Um, then yeah, pardon my sickness, but so <clears throat> here we go. <clears throat> Dear alcohol. In the beginning, there seemed to be so much promise with you and I. I was lost and hurt and young. I had already endured so much trauma and at such a young age. Pain, anxiety, and fear were daily. Raised with mistrust and abuse and taught to always be on guard was just a way of life. I remember the first time you shared yourself with me spilled your secrets and poured your promises in my glass. We ditched class together and went to a friend's house. We sang to the Beatles, take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life. You were only waiting for this moment to arise. Your first taste was foreign and jarring, but your feeling was sweet and warm, warming. You made my mind calm and my body warm in a way nothing else ever did. I knew it was meant to be from that day on. Those promises and feelings stayed true for a while. But little by little, things started falling apart. Some mornings you would leave me feeling battered and bruised, always coming back later to say, I'm sorry, baby. I didn't mean it. Take me back. I promise it'll be different this time. The cliche went on and on. I kept thinking, 
things would change. You kept on being you, doing the same damn thing every single time. Things got worse. Things got worse. You hurt me more and more. You took my money. You yelled at my friends. You hurt people I cared deeply about. You led me in situations where I, where I was nearly arrested, somewhere I certainly should have been killed. And still with the, I'm sorry, babies, it'll be different this times, which turned into, you need me. You won't leave me. You are nothing without me. You disgust me and yourself. I'm the only thing that will make you feel better. And that was true for a while, too. Or at least I believed it. And on and on it went for so many years. Broken promises, failed attempts to make it work. So many people were hurt by our, by our toxic relationship. So much wasted time and money spent chasing a dream, a high, an ideal state of being that with you was never going to exist. Ever. I tried to make room for you in my life but you wanted every part of it. All, all my mornings spent cursing you and in sickness, physical, in sickening, physical, mental, and emotional pain. All my nights in foggy vagaries of distraction leading to numbness and always ending in darkness, both literal and figurative. The level of destruction overshadows the few good and memorable times we had. And there were some, and I will cherish those memories. But times have changed. I have changed. Three years on since we last spoke, that night, that last night after our last fling ever, I was unsure if I was, if I was, I was unsure if it was our final kiss. But I knew that I couldn't trust you ever again. And that, in fact, it was me, not you, truly. You were always the same, never changing. I heard what I wanted to hear and lied to myself time and time again. In the first months after our breakup, I still wanted you back, thought about you constantly, had vivid dreams about you. It was so hard to let go. We had been together for decades. But it wasn't hard to remember how much I hated myself when I was with you. In the years since we split, I have discovered other things that have made me happy. Helping others, connections, connection and relationships based on selflessness, exercise, eating better, creating art. All, the, all things you used to tell me we didn't need long as we, had each, we were together. More lies. Now when I think about you, the moments of missing are overshadowed by the lessons learned, memories of the pain and loss and hurt I caused and endured because of you. So today I stand in truth, in experience, and in knowledge I have gained by letting you go and say emphatically goodbye. Signed, John Staley. <laughs> that's great man that's fucking cathartic dude you're touching me oh. man stop touching me that's um, really good 
Yeah, thank I, you. I this I think this podcast will be interesting. This one when it goes out because people will be like, are they reading letters to each other? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think it's good though. Um, it's really cathartic. That's a good push, man. That's rad. I just kept thinking yeah. about like, how do you say? What do you say? And what does it mean? And so. Right, and I feel like as far as the listeners concerned too, this is like a helpful exercise. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we got past the points of, I mean, we're old enough to remember writing a letter to a girl when you broke up with her. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it may be different now for younger people, but I don't know what young people do. I just shake my fist at them in the front yard. <laughs> I guess you could ghost alcohol, but I don't know if that's a... Right. I, it's, exactly. It's just, I for me, it was just, you know, deeper. It's It goes deeper than... I just couldn't stop. And right. It was, I really loved it too. Like no, I know, I know. But <laughs> <laughs> so did I. Man. But that's my that's my letter to um, to alcohol saying goodbye. <clears throat> Your turn, Jerry. Good. Oh, I gotta go now. Shit. No, I'm good. I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna go now. Okay. I gotta go. The dog is on fire. Oh, um, yes. All right. Well, I um, yeah. I wrote a letter as well, and I will read it now. Let me get some air. (laughs) All right. Dear Alcohol, I am writing this letter to you because I do a podcast with John about our experiences coping with breaking up with you and trying to live life without relying on your stank ass. The other reason I'm writing this letter is because John is really into making this podcast seem professional, and we should probably plan them out beforehand. And also, John loves homework. This is just one of the many passive-aggressive portions of this letter. You are like most relationships I had in the past. We started volatile like a grease fire in the kitchen and quickly spread, fierce and out of control. Once it started going badly, I knew it in the very core of me, but chose to deny the obvious. It was like ten elephants in the room having a full-on orgy and I acted like it was a typical Wednesday. I would trudge through it completely miserable and in pain, but it was routine and ritual. This is who I am and this is what I do. This defines me and shapes me. But, unlike every relationship I've had, I ghosted you. (laughs) I cut off contact and caspered my way out this bitch and I haven't reached out for you since. But true to form, I obsessed over you and came up with countless scenarios in which we could work it out. Maybe something bad would happen and I could turn to you and we could move back into that coffin we shared. That'd be fucking rad. Insert dripping Gen X sarcasm here. (laughs) I came to the conclusion, one of many, just like the passive-aggressive parts of this letter, that uh, pursuing any relationship with you would be actively seeking my own death. I also concluded that although you were around for and caused many of my hardships, you were only a catalyst and not the true root of my disease. I believe this infirmity has existed in me before I met you, You just amplified the symptoms, you crazy little minx you. And just like a physical debility, you must be treated in order for me to regain health. So I sought a remedy. I found my remedy in church basements around other people who dumped you. People who got used up, chewed, and spit out by you. We drink rough coffee. We tell stories about you and we laugh. We share the turbulent parts of our lives with you and we cope. Shit, I cope. Because you're always there, lingering around like a vampire, expecting an invitation in. The fucking wild part is that you're an element of me. You live in me. And I hate that. I fucking resent that. 
but you're there, so I have to accept it or be damned. Damned to be walking wounded and back in my disease without taking a drink and fuck that shit, man. <laughs> All that being said, or written as it were, everything is so much better without you. Fuck, dude, come on. I'm not going to do this on the goddamn podcast. Ugh. None of my problems went away, and some shit even got harder for a while. But hear me out, though. They finally became manageable. The unsolvable became easily solved. <laughs> Man, I'm supposed to be the funny one here, goddammit. <laughs> what was insurmountable became surmounted effortlessly. And is surmounted even a word? <laughs> Contentment was achievable. My sense of entitlement had started to dissipate, and gratitude has become a genuine feeling, and not some bullshit I would just say in the rooms to other drunks to make it seem like I had it together. Fuck, I still don't have it together, but I believe I can achieve it, and that's a total fucking trip. And in all honesty, I'm glad I rode with you, and I'm glad I got fucked up by you, because if I didn't, I would have never realized that life is a good thing. And that it doesn't have to be a shit show. So in a way, thanks for that. I owe you my gratitude. Now, if you could kindly fuck off into this good night, that would be great. Love, Jerry. <laughs> wow. Dude, I don't even get all emotional and shit. Damn. Wow, that was great. Yeah, that yeah was, thanks. I, um... I'm, I'm this, thinking... This is going to be that one podcast where we're like, damn, dude, we have... Well, at least I have lost my veneer. For a minute there, but that's all right. You'll get it back. You can we'll go. Yeah. Po- we'll polish it up for next week. Someone to just go punch punch it out in the backyard. <laughs> this is why I don't really share meetings a lot, dude, because I break down halfway through the damn share. It's hard. Um, but you pick out a scab, it's gonna bleed a little. So. Yeah, yeah. I like the part you say where I was wishing for bad things to happen, dude. And I just like that know. one struck me like. Well, you know, like you'd say, like, what if, what if somebody, somebody close to me died? Like, you're like, what if my, what if my mom died? Could I drink then? What if, yeah. um, mm-hmm. what if everything was taken from me? When could I drink? Right. You know, like, when do I get to go back? When do I get to go back? And to have that, like, that, it's like a meat hook in your heart. It's so weird, dude. That's why you said, oh, you can't ghost it. And it made me laugh because I oh. absolutely, in the beginning, cut it out. Yeah. But then over time, when a, when, when the, like you asked about the shock, when the shock went away, it like, that's when it started coming back again. You know, because I was like, okay, all the, the, all the, the emergency is done. The turbulence is gone now. Like, and then you start thinking about what it really is, you know, and it's a motherfucker, right? I mean, mm. it's enough of a motherfucker that you and I do a podcast. I mean, we got a joke about it, but we do this podcast every week. We meet mm-hmm. up. If there's power, I meet up, you know, <laughs> and it's like just this thing that we do for, we started doing for ourselves that we just started recording because I still feel like part of it is for me. You know, the selfish part of me is like, this is for me just as much as it's for anybody else. Yeah. But the fact that like I can sit here with four years and some change and still read that and it hurts my heart to think of that shit, like that's crazy, dude. Like yeah. that I didn't even feel that shit coming out. I was like, oh, I'm gonna read this and be funny and do my Jerry thing, but the fact that it like hurt, I was like, God damn, dude. It's still there. Mm-hmm. I'm a fucking vampire. When I yeah. it's it's not um yeah, it's not gone. It's and I, I you know, I this whole podcast, for those of you listening, started out as um, 
Jerry and I just needing a reason to meet up and talk to each other once a week about this. And I think originally right. it was because nobody else, no, I don't want to say nobody else, but there was, there was no one else necessarily in my life and there was nobody else necessarily in Jerry's life who just wanted to sit down and talk about fucking sobriety for an hour. You know what nobody I mean? Nobody did. Like, Not even my wife after a while would be like, damn, dude, do you ever stop? So, you know, those, that, that kind of, and not that they're, not that any, anyone in our lives is unsympathetic, but it's just this, no. this thing that we like to talk about. And, um, it started out as just reading and talking and now we record it and hopefully somebody out there yeah. feels, hears, gets something out of it. Um, if you, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, what I was going to say was, and I was mm-hmm. thinking about this, right. Uh, is that I read a lot online and people talk about like, you know, going into the rooms or going to meetings or, and this is not a podcast promoting meetings in any way, but they talk about the, um, uh, the, the community of recovery and a lot of it, they, the, the, the cynical person always says, well, it's just a bunch of guys, a bunch of people sitting in a room crying about being drunk and and reminiscing and feeling sad and feeling sorry for themselves and shit. But I feel like it's the opposite, you know? Because I, I, I don't feel sorry for myself anymore. And f- fucking crying in a room full of sober people, the only difference between that and a bar is that nobody's drunk. Because you're just sitting in the fucking bar crying. Or you're sitting in your car crying. Or you're yeah, sitting in your backyard crying. In your bed. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're um, just crying about how unfair life is, you know, mm-hmm. when you're drunk. And when you're sober, you're crying about how hard it was. Or how hard it still is. And how you have to do the work. I, I just... The hard work. It's just this last week, man. I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. It was the 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 perfect, you know, birthday and hearing these things and coming to these sort of epiphanies that like it's yeah. it's not uh, it's not just people sitting around listening and crying and nah nah. There's something else and there. But so if I so I am like I was like the laziest, fucking stubbornest, saddest sack of alcoholic fucking bean dip you know <laughs> sack, um, of bean sack of bean dip there ever was and like mm-hmm. if i can sit here today and be like jesus did i really just have like a, a growth moment and i was able to actually kind of be aware about it like i think anybody can do it man and yeah. you know whatever whatever that takes i mean i i know we always we're very uh, jerry and i are very open to any any aspect of sobriety however you Hell get yeah. there Mm-hmm. If you, you know, whatever your system is, um, I talked to a friend of ours just recently, actually he called me on my birthday and, um, I had said, Hey man, how's it going? You still doing a program, whatever. And, and he was like, you know, I, I haven't been lately. And, and I said, I'm not trying to hassle you about anything. And he's like, you know, I'll, I'll do it when it, when it feels right. And I'm like, but you're, you're still not drinking. He's like, no man, I'm not, I'm done with that. And I, I was like, then, okay, then cool. I, that is the only thing I wanted to hear that makes me fucking mm-hmm. happy that you're not back in it. So, yeah. So I don't really give a shit, like, how you get there or if, right. you know, if you're interested, there's plenty of ways to do it and there's lots of different ways. And I right. don't know. We just found it helpful and it's part of our reality. Mm-hmm. So we discuss it, you know, but like I said, we don't. There, we always have to emphasize it. It's you know? not a promotion. The most helpful thing for me has always been above everything, above the the, the dogma and the, the literature and all that, is just having another person help me out. 
you know yeah. it's like dude if i'm stuck on a fucking video game i text my brother and i'm like i can't do this <laughs> you know what i'm saying like why would yes. not a huge life decision be the same you know and so i can i i have very approach it very like like kind of like that person you talked to on the phone i'm like i i do it when i need it and i use it when i need it and i try to help other people by saying hey this worked for me if it doesn't work for you at least hit me up and let me know what's going on Mm because i'll help you out at least as far as being an ear like i'll listen i'll text you you don't have to come sit in the church basement and drink that rough ass (laughs) coffee i will say you know there is one thing that you can do anywhere um and that's writing it down um yeah that helps a lot too i i i have found it to be so helpful in my daily life. I, I have mm-hmm. my, what, what I call my, um, I was almost going to say my PM Dawn notebooks, but they're, they're my PM, PM. PMW. Speaking of my like early nineties. Yeah. Set adrift oh, in the memory bliss, man, dude. Used, that was the track for a minute. Well, that it? beat but, was dope. I didn't like his raps, yeah. but the beat was dope. Yeah. Anyway, but PMW, <laughs> PMW is prayer meditation and writing. And so that's what I right. do in my books. And, and uh, my notebooks and I found it to be like extraordinarily helpful to just write yeah. whatever. And some days there's nothing interesting in there. I promise you. But other days I'm like, yeah. I get it out. And you know, it's he, Jerry's right. I do. I do give homework. And uh, <laughs> he loves homework. Even when he was drinking, he loved homework. Ask anybody who worked for him at the bar. Oh, they're like, fuck John. Really? But I didn't mind because uh, I didn't work for him. So but, I was uh, like, yeah, whatever. So, and one of the things, one of the reasons I love to have to like have you when I say like, hey, I've got this idea is because. I think you're great. Because my, my idea of saying goodbye to alcohol is not at all what yours is. Mm-hmm. And so I read, you know, I read mine and I wrote this and it feels right to me. And then to hear yours and I'm like, oh shit, I never even thought about that. And that's. That's yeah. the whole point of talking about it, I think, is that exactly. Yeah. Getting getting again that that more perspective that getting the full story of it, because we don't yeah. we don't do it alone. I don't I can't do it alone. If I was alone, I would be drinking again. Absolutely. So would I. <laughs> I would, too. I 100 percent if you know, and it, I, you know, I can't sit here and say, oh, the, the 12 step program in is what got me sober. It helped me get sober. Mm-hmm. We did it together. And I, I honestly can, you know, I don't want to get all higher power on you, but just surrendering to the unknowing helped me out a lot, too, because it took all that pressure off my back. Yeah. But it was the people in those rooms that helped me get sober. I felt like more than anything, and that may be a big no, no with other people to say, you know, who are in the program, but for me, it was like in the beginning, it was those people around me. And I didn't, I made some good friends, but I didn't like forge really hard relationships. I was not close. I fucking sat in the back, but to know that that guy who worked for UPS and that dude is homeless as fuck. And that dude over there is accountant. We all have the same bug. You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. that meant so much to me because I knew that, you know, that I wasn't alone. That I could walk up to any of those three dudes and be like, hey, I'm having trouble. Can I talk to you? And they'd be like, here's my phone number. Let's go outside, smoke a cigarette, whatever, you know. Get a cup of coffee. Go sit in my car. Get a cup of coffee. Just... Go sit in my car. Yeah. yeah you don't got to take your pants off in there. It's all right, <laughs> it's buddy. right. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
and you can reach us at a is for alcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs>